Coming at you from dad's basement, this is Real Talker with Drew Walker. I'm Drew Walker and thank you for joining me today. It has been a crazy couple of weeks for me. It's one of those times where there's just not enough time in the world to do all of the things that I want to do. So I just started a new job full time at a local greenhouse, which I'm really excited about. But now all of that creative time I was having to read, to write, to cuddle my cat, to watch Netflix, to just do nothing, it's gone. I haven't been working for the last five or six months, so I really got into the flow of fun employment, but now it's back to the real world and it's really waking me up or putting me to sleep most nights, actually. Last week, I mentioned that this episode will be a very special episode. And the reason for that is because I was supposed to be having my very first guest on the podcast. But just because I've started working full time, there's a little bit of scheduling conflicts and we weren't able to find the time this time around. But I will tell you, there is my first guest in the works and it'll be very special when that time does come. To make up for my miscommunication though, I will be introducing a new special segment in this episode, so keep listening. And if you like what you hear, please rate it, like it, share it, do whatever you can, tell someone about it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Today I will be highlighting one of my poems called Entropy. And this is a poem that I previously touched on when I appeared as a guest on Wyatt Zupko's video podcast called Who Knows, which is available on YouTube. If you tuned into that podcast, there may be a slight bit of overlap, but I will go much more into depth in this episode of Real Talker. Here's the poem. Entropy. Time to unplug from the worlds we have created, where we're so concerned of the comparative value. A falsehood which feeds on our self-consciousness where the gift of awareness manipulates our cognition and creates misery. Ignorance is bliss. But is the opposite of ignorance the opposite of bliss? A marriage of valuing privacy with sharing it publicly. Efforts to inspire may be rewired, quantified for comparison, intent lost in the system. I could live on through stories, be a ghost of my home, search for clarity in nature, go where the wind blows. This poem was written right in the height of my travels. I was really struggling to communicate with people back home and find the meaning behind social media. I wasn't working at the time that I wrote this and I noticed that I was spending a lot of time on my phone scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and not really knowing what it was that I was trying to get out of it. 
I've relied on social media quite a bit throughout my travels just to keep in touch with people back home. But it certainly is this kind of highlight reel where everybody shares all of the good stuff, but you don't really know how a person is really feeling and really doing. And that's true for how I use social media too. When I wrote this, I was just really frustrated with the whole concept of social media and how it just feeds off of those addictive parts of human nature. And everything that you see on social media, it's made to make you addicted and make you want more of it. The title entropy actually means disorder or confusion in the system. And that's exactly what I was feeling in this moment. Just not understanding why social media exists at all. And I was struggling to see the, the positive parts of social media too, because I do recognize that it is a great way for people to quickly update people in their lives, to share what's going on. And it's especially been so useful during these pandemic times. But this was written pre-pandemic. So I was really caught up in how image-based social media can be and how it makes people compare themselves to other people. And it makes that comparison very easy to do. I think that comparison is a very dangerous thing. It's impossible not to compare yourself to people, especially that are in a similar demographic as you. But there's no one way to exist in this world. And I think that comparison can be a very dangerous thing. There's no formula on how to live life. And when you compare yourself to other people, you can sometimes doubt your own process. I've heard that the only person you should compare yourself to is the person that you were yesterday. Technology is a very interesting tool for our generation. There's a line in the poem that says, ignorance is bliss, but is the opposite of ignorance the opposite of bliss? Basically what I'm asking there is, is awareness misery? I think that technology gives us so much access to information and all of a sudden we have a generation of people that are more aware than they ever have been, but does that make us happier or more filled with misery? It was just a question that I was contemplating. Is awareness misery? When I was traveling, I started to think I'd rather just not be aware of some of these truths that I've learned in these experiences because sometimes learning those truths was weighing on me more heavily. So in that moment, awareness was feeling like misery. And I kind of wanted to be ignorant because it's easier to be ignorant. And I wanted life to be a little bit easier at that time because it was a difficult time. I was getting so caught up in documenting what experiences I was having whether that be through social media or writing it in my journal or telling people about things and I hit this point where I just wanted to stop everything and I just wanted to take in all these experiences without uh, 
the need to be constantly documenting and sharing and posting it online. I would have these moments of peace when I was traveling and it was always those moments when I was unplugged from social media and not concerned about communicating with people and such. So at the end of the poem, I'm just questioning how should I be spending my time in the future? And what I really wanted in that moment was to just completely unplug and be present in every moment. So I'm kind of saying I could live on through stories and be a ghost of my home, search for clarity in my nature and go where the wind blows. This was also a time in my travels when I was really questioning what the right path was for me and if and when I wanted to go home and what that looked like for me. This was definitely at the height of my soul searching and yeah, it, uh, this was when the darkness was coming up, right? <laughs> Mass communication is a pretty freaky thing. I think that anything on a mass scale is kind of bound to fail to some extent. That's a pretty pessimistic attitude, I suppose, but I think that a lot of people have ideas that are built for things on smaller scales. And then when they are brought to a more mass scale, it's somehow uh, corrupt or untrue to what the vision originally was. I think of like the news and you see how the news is now. It's completely corporate. It's like whatever's on the news is whatever's going to shock people the most and get the most viewers so that the networks can make the most money. But I think that the original intent of the news was probably just to share what was going on in the community, in your city, but it just got on such a mass scale that now that's lost. And then you look at social media where the original intent is to connect with your friends and family and have a way to communicate. But now it has this toxicity where everybody can compare themselves to anybody and it's turned into this game of image so I think that often certain things get taken out of hand and maybe lose their original intent and that's really what inspired this poem was just a frustration at the meaninglessness of things on a mass scale. Let's, let's say that, let's, let's end it at that. I feel like such a negative Nelly talking about this poem. Like I do like this poem and I think that there's some points in it, but when I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, did that come from my brain? Like that's really, that's really not, <laughs> not a happy poem, come on Drew. So to make this episode a little bit lighter, I introduce to you a new segment called The Toby Report. 
every once in a while, this segment will serve as a brief report on Toby, who is my cat. Apart from a hamster when I was younger and a lot of fish, I have never had an animal or pet of my own and I am a huge animal lover. Now, because I'm living at my dad's, you would think that it would be really important that I get my dad's permission before I got a cat in the house, but I highly disagree. My dad has always been anti-cat because he doesn't want hair around the house and the responsibility and whatnot, so I didn't bother asking and I wouldn't have done anything differently. A friend of mine, Chris, posted on Facebook that there was a cat where he was working out near Saddle Lake and he was really cuddly and really friendly and he was bringing him back to the city and he just posted on Facebook asking if anybody wanted to take the cat. So I sent him a message like, if nobody else wants the cat, I'd love to meet him and if he's not a good match in my house, then I'll be sure to put him up for adoption with a humane rescue agency that would rehome him in a good way, but I would definitely foster him. This is also the story I told my dad, like, dad, we're just gonna foster this cat for two, maybe three weeks and then he'll be gone. But he just, he needs somewhere to go. My friend asked me, uh, we have to do this, dad. The cat's gonna be here in a half an hour. I've had Toby for about four or five months now and he's obsessed with me and I'm obsessed with him. And my dad's also obsessed with him. So we won Mr. Walker over. Toby likes to cuddle, he likes to sleep, and I've just recently started letting him go explore the neighborhood outside. He wears a tag that has my phone number on it, and all the neighbors have been calling like, hi, we have Toby here, he's in our garage, or he's in our yard, he's playing with my kids, and the whole neighborhood loves him, it's amazing. I trained him like Pavlov's dogs, and so before I fed him, every time I would ring this bell, and then he started associating the bell with his meals. So if he's been outside for too long, I can just go out and ring the bell and he'll just come full sprint running into the house. And it is just the cutest like proud mom moment ever. <laughs> Anyways, that's a bit about the background of Toby. In other news, I have planted my seedlings for my summer garden and have discovered that Toby is very interested in the soil and the little makeshift greenhouse that I have in my kitchen. So the Toby report of the week is that Toby likes seedlings. Back to you, Drew. Thanks, Drew. The next portion of this episode, I will answer a listener question. The question this week is, do you have any ritual when writing a poem? I like this question because I didn't think that I had a ritual, but come to think of it, 
I actually do. When I'm writing, um, I have a special pen that I use that my mom gifted to me before I started traveling. It's a black ink pen and it like I've properly exchanged the ink cartridge like probably 20 times. I remember when I first got the pen, um, my mom told me that that was enough ink to last two years per cartridge. And then I ended up using the first cartridge in two weeks. And she only had given me one spare one. So I ended up having to go on a whole adventure in another country to find more ink cartridges. And I, I bought like 15 at one time and still used them all by the end of my trip. So yeah. I use that pen and I also write it in my journal, which I insist must have no lines in it. And when I'm writing my poems, I always write in cursive. When I'm writing a journal entry where I'm just catching up on my day or my life, I just print it as I normally would. But when I'm writing poems, I write in cursive just because maybe if I run out of poems to write, which will never happen, if I start writing in cursive, maybe it would associate my brain with more creative writing. I don't know. It's just something I do. And I think it's also good to practice cursive. It's, it's fun. It changes things up. I like it. I also find that just being by myself in nature is a really good way for me to start a poem. That's always the most difficult thing about writing is just starting. I think that's like a lot of things though, like just starting doing something is the hardest part. I do not have a writing prompt for the week, um, but I do have an album recommendation which is by Cotton Jones and it's called Paranoid Cocoon. Now, I don't know much about this album. It's from 2009 and it has really cool cover art, but you can see that old timey sound and I love it when that's pulled through in newer music. So give that a listen, Paranoid Cocoon by Cotton Jones. I want to take this time to officially welcome you all to the spring season. I don't know about you guys, but it feels like all of a sudden I have so much to do and I, I love that, but I also will miss my, my slow days. Now I have so much garden prep and outside time and I'm really looking forward to the sunshine as well. So I hope that you guys have some exciting spring and summer events or hobbies to look forward to. Welcome to spring. As per usual, if you are looking to get more connected with my podcast, with the book, please go follow my social media, which my Instagram is at drewwalker underscore art. My Facebook is drewwalkerart and my email is art.drewwalker at gmail.com.
please reach out to me if you are interested in purchasing the book or have any feedback for me regarding the podcast or the book. Also, please send me pictures of your seedlings and your gardens, or if you have any questions about how to start your gardens and all that jazz, I am your gal. That's all I've got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I will see you two Tuesdays from now for the next episode of Real Talker with Drew Walker. Hear me then.